Hello everybody, it's Andy here. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. We have a very special guest today. Now, all of our guests are special, but this one is especially special because Jamie Edwards, we first met Jamie in 2007, and we're going to go into this in the podcast and how much of an impact he's had on myself and Pierce's not only coaching career, but also life. Jamie is a, a leading peak performance coach. He's a speaker who's helped many of the elite sports stars, organizations, and individuals create better results, whether it be in sport, business, or life. His clients have competed in some of the biggest sports events, World Cups in rugby, cricket, football, Champions League, Premier League champions, PGA Tour winners, and world champions. People like Tyrrell Hatton, Lee Westwood, ex-England goalkeeper Joe Hart, and Gareth Bale, to name a few. Now, this podcast is a slightly longer one than usual. Went on to nearly an hour and a half, and there's a lot of deep conversation in here, but stick with it. There's so much great information, really, on how you can improve your mental side of this game, what it's all about. We discuss things like how to make the game more enjoyable and why people have such a hard time of having fun out there, the importance of asking the right question, like who you want to become rather than what do I need to do, how to address your weaknesses, how to practice less and get better results, and also we discuss wedgeology. This is a this is a concept that Jamie has come up with to transform your game from 100 yards and in. So if you've got a bit of time, stick with this podcast. It's slightly longer, but Jamie's had a huge impact on us, and we know that if you listen to this, there's going to be some great take-homes for you in this as well. So let's get into the podcast, and please welcome Jamie Edwards. Jamie Edwards, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm, I'm better for seeing you two together, yeah? <laughs> You're actually in our hometown, sort of, and we're in California now, so the, the tables have turned somehow. <laughs> they, they have, they have. I'm in, in your neck of the woods, yeah? In, in sun, sunny, very sunny Birmingham today. Yeah, yeah, we've heard. We've heard it's good weather. It's actually warmer out there than here, I think, at the moment. Um, Jamie, we first met you, I think it was... Um, I think it was 2006 or seven. I think it was seven. I think it was seven. 2007, we came to the Belfry to... I'm, I'm going a bit great. <laughs> <laughs> to do a week-long course with, with you and Carl, it was then. And it was... Me and Pierce have been speaking about this recently, actually. And it was life-changing, the week that we spent with you. Um, to the point where we've said that you woke us up. Um, we were interested in you know, developing ourselves and our skills as golf coaches. And we knew that the, the mental game was an important part, but we had no clue of what the mental game was all about. We didn't really know what we do. And we're like, we need to explore this and we need to speak to some people who know, what <laughs> who know a little bit about it. So we came and saw you and it was just, it was an incredible week. And we both left that week with a brand new perspective, not, not only in how we coach golfers and the, some tools that we could use straight away, but I think it was a, it was a, a new perspective on life. I think you changed, we, we use this, this phrase a lot that you woke us up. And I think when, what I mean by that is that I think that we were being run by our own patterns and didn't necessarily realize that we had some control over the patterns ourselves. So since then, um, we just say that you guys were the turning point in our whole lives and are the reason that we are where we are today for a lot of the things really. So a thank you to you to kick off this podcast because it was incredible. And I know today's podcast is going to be so much value for the listeners 
and we're excited to actually just share what was important to us with our with our listeners as well. Just to add to that as well, I felt like I felt like Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> it was a little bit like that. That all these senses have been awoken. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, um, I, I'm I'm beaming uh, very proudly um, because, you know, I think for me, going going back to that time and and seeing you guys and obviously following your journey, and I know we've touched base, Andy. Know a, a couple of times, but um, just it, for me, it's always like you said, woke up, and um, for many, they describe it as catalyst. You know, it was the catalyst for them to to make change, um, and not just in a in a sporting context. You know, I, my mind is is whizzing through a number of at the time, you know, golf um, some golf coaches who made changes personally you know, in their personal lives. Um, and for me, that was, you know, that's, that was, that was my focus. Yes. You know, can, can we give you tools to um, teach the game, communicate differently, um, you know, to how do you get this information in there and into their body? So it comes out, you know, that's you as a golf professional, but that doesn't set you apart. What sets you apart, and, and not from the next golf professional. For me, I, and I, I, I say it today, I've said it to some of the superstar footballers that I work, it doesn't matter who you are. My interest is, can you apply it in your personal life? And that goes to another level. And then you come back into your professional life. That as a byproduct is going to have an impact. When you do it the other way around, I mean, we have already started right now, but when you do it the other way around, you know, you go to a course, a seminar, and you go to get some, some information for work, and then you, you apply it to work, but you still got to step out into the life arena and deal with life. So if you apply it to life first, then you can come back into your work arena and that goes to a different level. So it's the other way around for me. And, and I, I guess for you guys, um, what brings you to what brings you to something is the work, is the fact that you want to use it for your golf. But the byproduct is always you're going to get more from it when you apply it elsewhere. Yeah. I, I guess I say, I'll say it like this because I've got I'm speaking at a conference in uh, um on Wednesday here in Birmingham and personal transformation precedes business or professional transformation. Yeah. Where, where did all this, so just to, just for a background for everyone listening to this, where did this, where did this all come from for you? How did it all start? Um, well, I, 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 the drive-through version is I had a, a mentor who said to me I was 14 15 at the time he said the difference between you and the next player didn't say player he said person the difference between you and the next person isn't talent or ability it's how you think and that's what got me started um you know so I got curious how does one player outperform another when they've got the same coach the same exact information one does this one does this got very curious with that same happens in school, same teacher, same information. You know, somebody is, is, is doing this. 
and so I got very curious with that. Um, you know, technically, you know, yes, you can be good technically. Yes, you can be good physically. Um, but it was always looking at um, different people at different stages from being 14, at how people were thinking. And I was blessed because I had a mentor, um, Alton Bird. I, you know, I say all, all my seminars, um, arguably, you know, the best American basketballer to come to the UK. Um, he's from San Francisco. I went to high school in San Francisco, where in California, as you know, you learn one person walks down the street good the other person wants to walk down the street even better it's like there's this competitive element which is healthy as well you know they want you to be going to a different level um whereas there's a culture um maybe unwritten sometimes in this country that they don't want you to elevate so i got curious with that that's where it started for me um and, and I guess from a, from a sports perspective, having played basketball and being, um, always said I was six foot five, but I'm five foot six. So I just turned the numbers around, which <laughs> was my first introduction to mental training. And um, I've just been very curious and very passionate about, you know, learning and developing, you know, myself. And, uh, and, and then I, I guess I've got very good at being able to, help people think differently and and have different perspectives and be the catalyst for them um very proud of you know like you guys seeing what you guys have done and um you know but there, there were other guys who came through who you know um, one of them became a psychologist and um and then ended up working for the um rfu the rugby union association and um, you know, there's there's many who, you know, it, again in Birmingham, um, Kyle Philpotts, uh, he he introduced me to uh, a pet, a, a couple who had a 12 year old daughter, and she was a, a top badminton player. Um, so at 12, I was working with her, and she's now in her mid 20s, and you know, a psychologist just finished at Imperial College, and you know, footballers who I've worked with who've become psychologists, you know, and, you know, so somewhere I've sparked something for, you know, for people on that personal, personal journey. So, yeah. And I, th I think it's, it's interesting because it, I think once that spark happens, it did for us, it then, it, it just hope it opens up this sort of wormhole of wanting to explore and be more curious and, and things like that. And I, and I just know that, when we when we saw you, there were so many things that we still use at you know today, and we still talk about and still remember. Yeah. And I, and I think from from a golfer's perspective, and the listeners to this, maybe they they've they they've understand some mental things. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're brand new. I remember that when we did the seminar, when you came into the seminar at the Molyneux Stadium, I think we had about seventy five people there. And it was it was always it's always fascinating because I think you, one of the things that you said was like how many people think technique is important, mm. and everybody raised their hand. And then you said write down three things that you're working on in your technique. Everyone's scribbling down, and then you said right how many how many do you think the mental game is important? Everyone puts their hand up, and then you said right write three things that you're working down working on in your mental game, and all of a sudden nobody's writing anything. So everyone thought the importance of the mental game was there. 
but nobody was actually working on the mental game. And I think this is where this is a great opportunity for somebody who's never explored the mental game to sort of maybe get that spark and delve into it and understand it more and then start to explore it. And once they do, it's not only going to enhance their life, it's going to enhance their professional and hopefully their golf as well. Um, yeah, that's that's stuck with me again, even on just that. I just remember it so clear on that on that on that day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you just reminded me because obviously I, I, I think back to, you know, we did something out of the three, three hammers and, and then but I remember we did the, the Molyneux um, event as well. And, um, you know, which I've been to many, many golf clubs around the UK, but, that you know, I, I, again, it was just doing it at your place. And then, and actually when somebody realizes that they can blend their technical side with their mental side like just it just the floodgates open there's a new world there's a new world of possibility um because they've spent so long or i say doing 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 it's like you know it's like if, you, if you're in a, in a career and you in in your in the workplace you're doing 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 and very often people come to me and uh, and they'll say you know i don't know what to do you know, because they, they, they're being challenged or there's a crisis or, you know, I think back to uh, one of my footballers who, um, Joe Hart, the um, ex-England goalkeeper. And, and, and I remember he said to me, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and I said, do you know how to play in goal? And in your world, it's, do you know how to swing the club? Yes. You know, do you know how to practice? Yes. Okay. You already know what to do. So I, I said to Joe, I said, the situation is not asking you what do you need to do. It's asking you, who do you need to be? Who do you need to be to get back in the team? Who do you need to be walking down 18? Who do you need to be on the back nine? That's the, but the default, when there's a crisis or a challenge, yeah. and this is where for all of you listeners right now is think of how you apply this to other areas of your life. That's why I say it's easier to apply it to another area than bring it back to golf. If you've got a crisis in work or in your life, the first thing brain does is, what do I do, what do I do? And he goes, shit, I don't know, never been here, you know? But if you, if you change the question to, who do I need to be right now in this situation? Who do I need to be? I need to be calm, I need to be composed, I need to be excited, I need to be patient, I need to be courageous. Okay, now, what do you need to do? I need to do X, Y, Z, mm -hmm. yeah? And it's, it's the, that's the shift first. So for, for the golfer, when you start to look at who do you need to be, you already know what to do. That's like, you get to whatever stage you are, even if you're a beginner, even if you're a beginner, because you've got that doing down to a T just from your work life. Yeah, we're trained to do. Hmm. We're, we're, we're all trained to do. So everybody's like this, but there's, a, there's, there's something about when you, and, and by the way, then, it's okay, I, I can't just, um, you know, do this or, you know, just the breathing technique. There's, it's tools, 
its ideas, its concepts at the right time in the right place, you know, working with guys like yourself, with other mental coaches, you find that, you know, some, somebody will say, well, you know, well, I, I did my breathing, but it didn't work, yeah? Yeah, um, because you were trying to do it, you weren't, you, you didn't have the concept of this is who I am now. And I, and I see you, you've got me on one now, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but here's, here's, here's the real life example, right? Um, and this is where I apply it to different, you know, to different areas. So only last week I was given a talk to 20 women who are living with cancer. Okay. Living with cancer. And and this is where, like, this, the most humbling thing in the world. So about eight years ago, I, I got invited to speak to a group of women. And, and um, I said, what's my work going to do for a group of women living with cancer? And the woman said, believe me, it really would help. And, and I, so I've done a lot of that. And so I, I get to this group and, and I said to them, I said, look, you've just learned a lot of techniques today, you know, meditation etc etc said look i'm just going to really break it down like this the ocean is raging but if the ocean can calm down so can you and they were like they were like oh my god like yeah so the ocean can be it can be mad but then it also it can just calm down and like on the golf course like people get mad but and they go well i can't uh, i know to look if the ocean can do it so can you if you can do that at work if you can get mad at work you can calm down and and i and that's where i really want to say for people is if you're going to take things away how can you simplify simplify complex um, things and and that's where I think you guys have gone away and 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 done done really well and that's what I do is I simplify you know complex so if the ocean can calm down in California in San Diego <laughs> yeah then so can all the golfers so so what would it let's just say someone's listening to this now and they've they've exactly what Andy said, the question that you asked them on you, three things they're working on a golf swing and they get to three things they're working out in the mental game, knowing that that's really important for them and they're totally stumped. How can you, how can you now wake people up listening to this and how, what's the first step for somebody in improving their mental game? Um, I, I think the, the, first, the first part is they've got to have the brutally brutally honest conversation with themselves first and then with with others yeah they, that's where it starts that's where the change happens that honest conversation um you know i i call them you know the it's almost like what's the truth you know you're either getting better or you're not mm. yeah you know you're either you're either great with your wedges or you're not mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the honest conversation is, what do you want? So if so many people would say, I want consistency. Um, Never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
no, but it's a classic. I want consistency. And then they'll go, um, you know, and the classic one is, you know, from 150 yards, I want to be, you know, I want to hit the green, blah, blah, blah. And, say, and, and I'll, you know, I, I just say, are we going to have a chat or are we going to have a conversation? I think it's I think it's worth um, pointing this bit out as well. Um, I don't know whether we we actually had this back then, but my builder taught me this, and he said he said Jamie, I need information. Go and see Keith. Keith was the architect. I said go and see Keith, and he said he said Keith keeps saying we'll have a chat. I'm sick of having chats. When are we going to have a conversation? And that became the mantra on the building side. Now here's what I want you to know. Most people, when they talk about the golf game, they think they're having a very honest conversation about what they want, about how they want to improve. But what they're really having are chats. And chats don't make improvement. When you're brutally honest about your game, your business, your life, then things start to improve. Now, by the way, you can tell like who's this crazy guy in Birmingham right now, you know, like this is how I coach. And this is the first question that I ask. I ask everybody, we can either have a chat or we can have a conversation. Which one do you want to do? Mm. And, and the conversation means we're going to go deep quickly. Like there's no agenda. You know, I, I can't put you on the tour. Um, you know, I can't give you an endorsement deal. Um, you know, if you're an amateur, I can't, you know, I, I can't give you the club championship. What we can do, though, is we can have that honest conversation that's going to get you to, um, my agenda is, I want you to have that conversation with yourself. And, and so, even as an amateur, you know, they say, well, I'm not playing for money. It's not, you know, it's not Wentworth. It's not the US Open. I'm like, every time you step on the golf course and you're getting frustrated and it's because you want to be more competitive. You want more. But if you want more in your golf, in your career, in your life, then we've got to have the conversation. Stop having chats. You're telling people what they want to hear. And if, you, if it's not telling people what they want to hear, who do you think they're telling that to? Mm. The, it's themselves. So we come back to the consistency. And I ask the, I ask the amateur and I say, um, how often do you practice? Do you practice enough to be able to hit the green consistently six times out of 10, seven times out of 10, like you've just said? Do you practice enough? Have you got time to make those types of changes to be able to do that? You're a business guy, you're an executive, you're a, you're a busy mom. Do you have that type of time to make those changes? No. Okay, so what's the part of the game that we have to really focus on? Now, everybody knows this, guys. <laughs> everybody knows this, but they don't, it, it's, they don't want to hear the truth. And then you ask, how good you, how good you short game? Yeah. And they don't like that one. Mm. Well, so is it, it's okay. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. 
this making sense? So, so it's not bad. You've just told me you want to compete on the European tour or on the PGA tour. And you've just said it's not bad. You've just told me you want to reduce your handicap and you've just said it's not bad. No, your short game has to be mustered. <laughs> it's, inter it's interesting because I'm listening to this and obviously, you know, for the people who come to see us for coaching and we ask them about their game. Um, but sometimes you can't take that, you can't take their word for it. And I think for the listeners to this, if they've never done it, one of the things that me and Pierce love to do is to, yes, we'll see somebody on the range and we'll ask them about the game and watch them swing. And we'll ask them if their short game or the putting's any good. And they'll say exactly the same. Yeah, it's not bad. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. But when we, as soon as we get them on the golf course, the true test for us to really understand their game is just get them to play holes because then they can't hide from the truth. It's like, well, if we're, uh, if we're there on the golf course with them, we see every part of the game. We see them as a person, how their routines are, what they say, what, you know, how, they, how they're taking control of their body. So they can't, hide from, they can't hide from the truth then. And for the listeners to this, if they've never been out for a playing lesson, if they really want to expose themselves and get better, it's one of the best things that they can do because the, the coach is going to go, I mean, we love doing it because the golf world has been so conditioned with swing, swing, swing. And as soon as we get on the golf course, we don't, we very, very rarely talk any swing. We, we, we talk about them as a person and them, their, the decisions that they make. And we identify the areas and the technical things that they can do better. But I think if they've never, if the listeners to this, it's never been for a golf lesson on the golf course. If they want to get better, it's a great starting point. And they can't lie because <laughs> they will lie. I mean, you know, we tend to hide away from the things that, we, that are painful to us. And, and yeah. there's, a, there's an attribution thing to this as well, I think. I, I definitely believe this in that a golfer, when they hit the golf ball out of bounds or they lose a golf ball, will feel really bad. And that will, as far as the emotion tagged in that almost, it's higher than chipping and two-putting. Now, they might not lose... They're probably not going to lose 14 balls when they hit their tee shots. They might lose one around. They may lose two around if they've played badly. Yeah. But the amount of times they chip and two putt is probably most of the time. So if you think about that already, let's say they've got nine chip and two putts, that's nine shots and they lose two balls. That's, that's obviously a big mismatch there in how it's affecting the score. So I do really believe that as much as they might there might be it might be it's a subconscious lie isn't it as well they just don't see the actual damage it really does yeah yeah and 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 again it comes back to you know it's it comes back to what the tr the, the truths and you know so if, it, you, you said you know if somebody's starting this listen if you know if i was starting over again i'd go i i literally and i say this all the time um you know the whole aspect of because you know we've talked about short game and um i i want to just kind of de-label which is a life skill basically to you know to de-label something you know if i take if i take the, the the label the brand off the top of your hat you know it it becomes just a white hat we put the we put the label back on it and it becomes you know me and my goals comes a tailor made you know so um but if you can do that with different parts of your life as well, that becomes a very 
important skill also. So, um, so the, the point I'm making here is you've said short game, right? And um, I'm going to delabel that and call it wedgeology. Okay, because it's then, and it's not just wedges because of because of your your wedges. It's it's the money part of the game. Now, if you're you know in the US, you you probably won't get this, but somewhere in the in the UK, wedge. If you say to somebody, "I've got a wedge," what what? See, Andy, you're smiling now. What 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 does "I've got a wedge" mean? It's cash, basically, wedge of cash. Yeah, I've got a wedge got a wedge it means you've got you've got cash folding notes so wedges are the money part of the game you know the best players in the world the guys at the top of the money list tended to have especially historically in the past you know before they were all booming it you know 300 yards they they, they had the best wedge games didn't they so it's the money part of the game and then the theology is like it's that it's like this blend of you know the psychology and wedges. It's the money part of the game. So, so I, I want people to to you know I'm I'm not interested in you having a sh you know short game and like wedgeology. Oh, let me go and work on my wedgeology skills. Yeah, not my short because they don't go and work on the short game skills. No. So it's what can we get them. It's what can we get them excited about, yeah? And I, I, I've come across many players, both, um, and, and I have a passion for the amateur, yeah? I have a passion for the amateur because, you know, I'm an amateur golfer, yeah? And, 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 and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy guy as well, like everybody who plays golf, unless you're retired and, you know, most people are going, I don't have time. So, how can we condense time? Um, because I think that's the challenge for the game is, you know, how do we practice? So when you take um, different aspects of how do you learn quicker? How do you, as an individual, how can I learn things quicker? How can I apply it quicker? Um, I don't go, I don't go to um, the putting green to go and work on my putting. You know, I call this, well, we're jumping into the golf aspect now, but I call this MVP. Again, a bit from you know football and sports, but my MVP is um, mi the minimal um, viable practice. Yeah, how so? Basically, how little practice can I do, but quality practice that I'm going to get the most out of it? Yeah. So, what's the smallest amount I can do? But it's gonna, Andy. You'll probably know this from fitness training. Yeah, it's like, do I do I stay in the gym for hours and hours and hours and hours, and I'm not really getting a result, or can I be really efficient? And so I give a very quick example in terms of, and and this has worked, and you know I've tested wedgeology for on a lot of people um, over a number of years. It's like, okay. Let's work on, I'm in a hotel room now. Let's work on just a, a 10 foot put, yeah? 10 foot put, put into the leg of the chair, yeah? Because I'm gonna get a number of those, yeah? Now, 
I'm not at the putting green because I don't have time to go to the putting green. I just don't. That's the honest conversation. That's the honest conversation. I don't have time. But what I do have time is um, I can put six foot, I can put 10 foot to the leg of the chair. Yeah, a very small target. You better believe if I get on a golf course and I'm that distance away, that's my practice. Yeah, I'm, but I've not spent hours at the putting ring. Now, please listen, folks. I am not saying you do not practice and you do not go to the driving range. Driving range owners are going, Jimmy Edwards, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying what is, what's the, what's the smallest amount that can give me the greatest returns? Yeah. And that is a six foot put, a 10 foot put, you know, and even a 50, but I live in an apartment block, right? People come out of their apartments, they see me putting down the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so it, it's it's those types of things. And and if you're gonna get the most out of your game, um, so yeah, again, for all the golf coaches out there, I'm not I'm not saying people don't come and see you for swing lessons and all of that. But what I am saying is that you've, you've and, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this on this guy, these guys' podcast, mm -hmm. because everybody knows this, but they don't apply it. Mm -hmm. They know it's 100 yards in. You know that, but I'm even going to get closer. It's 50 in. Mm -hmm. It's 50 in. And so, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when, when I was coming up with wedgeology, and it, it, my question was, why are people not doing this? And, and I came across, <coughs> um, you'll know her because she's from your neck of the woods, um, uh, Flick, remember Flick Johnson? Female, yeah. tour, female tour pro. Um, Flick was a big Aston Villa fan and, uh, and Alison Nicholas had said to me, Jamie, she's, she's got all the talent, she's got all, all the talent, but um, she just won't practice a short game. And, and it, it was almost like, you know, why wouldn't she? So I said to her, I said, Flick, your, your wedges are like Ashley Young and Stuart Downing. And at the time, those two see you're smiling now because so you know if if you're if you're from um if you're from anywhere outside of the soccer world um Ashley Young and Stuart Downing were um played for Aston Villa um one was on the right wing one was on the left wing and they just you know they were the wingers um and they just supplied the striker with a load of goals and I said your wedges are like um I said um, Darren Bent doesn't score all those goals without that service. I said a 50-yard pitch shot is like Steven Gerrard um, pinging it across 80 yards, um, you know, like 40 yards across the pitch. Well, her eyes started lighting up. 
I said a bump and run is is a bit like Luka Modric, the Real Madrid player, just threading it through the defence. You thought I'd have cured the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) It was like she just got it. I said, and, and when I asked this question to amateurs, what's the most important part of the game? And they'll go, and you'll know, I'm sure you've heard this a number of times, they'll say putting. Yeah. So first answer is short game. Yeah. But, you know, that's like saying, that's like saying, um, you know, be positive, too vague, you know, yeah. too vague, you know what, you know. So it's like saying, go to the butchers. Yeah. You know, get me some meat. Mm-hmm. Um, with the short game. So they'll say putting. And then they'll say wedges. And, and I'll say specifically, it's your wedges because you don't get to you don't get to score unless your wedges have crossed it in for the striker. Yeah. And a bit in other sports, if you play other sports, you know, the wedges that and I'm a point guard in basketball, so I'm a playmaker. So your wedges are your playmaker. They set everything up, mm-hmm. you know. If you play, you know, if you play, um, you know, soccer or football, it's the midfielder, it's the central midfielder, the basketball, it's the point guard. NFL, it's the quarterback. Your wedges are the quarterback. You know, they just dictate everything. And now all of a sudden, now you've got this shift in thinking, oh, that's how important. So then we then go, um, and I want you to jump in. I, I feel like I'm. I'm and I know. You know you keep going. I'm, right I'm over here, but it's it's. Um, but then you know we take that concept and we go right. Well, all those other sports have all they've all got boxes. You know, NFL they've got lines. NFL's a great one for American football because the 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 the, the pitch is actually marked out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I create these, these boxes and the guys would say, why have you got these boxes? You don't have boxes on a golf course. Exactly. You know, you're on a golf course, no lines. Yeah. Footballer crossing into a box, tennis player aiming into a box, same distance all the time. You say to Rafa Nadal, you know, drop it over the net, drop it on the baseline. He has the skill to judge that, that distance, cricketer, line and length, 22 yards, doesn't change. Um, basketballer, three-point line, stays the same. Free throw line, stays the same. So the distance, golf course, you know, where's the, you know, where's the box? Yeah. yeah. And then what you get is you get this, um, I haven't even got a stick here, but you get, you get this, this stick in the middle of this green area mm-hmm. And, and people are aiming at, at the flag and getting frustrated. And I'm like, do you have that skill to be able to aim directly at the flag? So what we do is we put these lines just like, because they've played tennis. They've hit boxes before. They've crossed it into boxes. So they get this concept of, Ah, right. So now I'm the midfielder and now I'm just actually, I'm just 
hitting boxes. And it just shifts the thinking to almost like, right, I'm not, um, I've got this psychology about it and I've got this task of, of hitting boxes. So yeah, that's where kind of wedgeology um, immersed from. But before we even got to the, the boxes, we had to shift the thinking. And that shifting of the thinking was, um, you know, you are, you're a midfielder before we even put you outside. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel that the having these boxes as well, Jamie, do you feel that it creates a different level of freedom as well within the game? Because when you've got when you've got the pin to aim at, <laughs> as opposed to an area to aim at, a landing zone, <clears throat> let's say a landing zone. So with these boxes are really landing zones. Is that what you're saying when you when they say so you've got like a, a box here that you need to land the golf ball in? Do you feel having more space in that area allows the golfer to be a little bit more free? Absolutely. They, like, and again, you you know you'll have heard it in different um, you know um, in different mental game concepts and you know um, psychology. You know, visual, visualize the dustbin lid. Visualize it smaller. Um, you know, yeah, you you visualize it smaller. But guess what that does? It creates more tension. Actually creates more tension. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, from, from an, I'll, there's two aspects to this. You know, one, yes, there's the amateur aspect because, you know, I was really passionate about helping amateurs be better. You know, um, but there's a byproduct of it because I have, you know, worked and tested this with, um, you know, with tour pros. And the interesting one is, can a tour pro hit a box? Of course they can, they've got that skill. The byproduct of it was never, um, can you hit the box? The byproduct was, how do you react when you miss? You yeah. know, because believe me, the, 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 when you miss, that really, really does bring out the real you. <laughs> yeah, the real you it, it does you know and um you know i remember like doing this with tyrell hat and then um, it was like it was never you know can you hit box two of course do it with his eyes closed yeah when he missed box two boom like this yeah and and so one of the one of the key um the key parts of wedgeology is what we say is um well, and, and it makes me laugh because I'm, of all the people who've ever, the hardest thing we say, no reaction. No reaction. So you hit a shot, um, it's either, um, I remember Justin Rose saying this, um, you know, good miss many years ago. Yeah, good miss. Um, so if you hit the box, you know, you, you, you've got to acknowledge that, reward yourself, celebrate, say good shot. Again, golfers don't do that. You know that. Um, but if you miss, it's no reaction. And, and that's the hardest thing because golfers have trained themselves to react to everything. Oh, 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 like this. Um, and then they'll, and they'll, they'll, they'll miss and react. And then the partner, because we do a lot of it in twos because you want that feedback. Um, and they'll say you reacted and then no I didn't and <laughs> <laughs> did it again and, and, and so, no, didn't. 
<laughs> so when they get on the golf course, the real, um, you know, the, the real application is going out on the golf course and hitting a shot and not reacting. I always say, this is how I frame it for, for golfers. Every time you react, you add a quarter of a shot to your score. You add a quarter of a shot. I call it the quarter shot effect, yeah? You add a quarter of a shot. Now you imagine you go on the golf course and you know in advance, if when I go, oh, quarter of a shot, <laughs> yeah? Quarter of a shot. Before you know it, you've reacted four times. There's one shot. You know? <clears throat> now, as an amateur, you've got more to play with. As a pro, you don't. So, but the more you can squeeze that down to, you know, you're only reacting. Because most people's scores tend to blow up because of how they're being on the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the reactions, because it's a key thing, and I think we hear this a lot in, amongst the golfers and, and also see it, they know that their reactions are bad. They know they get angry on their shots, yet they still do nothing about it. They, I, know I, I know it's not good for my score, but they're just in the pattern of doing it. So how do they, how do they go about, how can they, what, are the, what are the things that they can do to go about starting to work at this in order to go, well, Look, I know it's bad for me. Um, <laughs> how do you not react? How, how do you, how do you, it's how do you not, how do you see? And, and again, no, guys, look, this, this is the thing. This is, this is, this is, um, these are, this is a life skill. Mm. Yeah. This is a life. Do you know how, how, how powerful it is when, People are expecting you to blow up at something in life. You know, you know, whether they prod you, whether it's something that you're supposed to react to and you don't. And, and, and you know, again, and this is, there's got to be some authenticity about it. You're not, you're not in a situation going like this, you know, like. <laughs> not reacting. <laughs> so we're not talking about that um but there's a i guess if you've got a pen and paper and you and and you want to make a note of this it's um you know i, I kind of dis describe it as what do i need to let go of okay what do i need to let go of um or let go of it you know what do i need to heal Okay, and for a golfer, that's like I need to just heat. Like, I need to heal on the golf course because I don't want to hit it offline because I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I don't want to hit it out of bounds. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to top it because it triggers embarrassment. That needs healing. That is nothing to do with your ability to play golf. Yeah. What do I need to resolve? So you need to become, a, a, and this is more a life thing, but you know, resolve um, the challenges and be able to deal with what the game or what life throws at you. But the key, the key, the start of it is what do I need to let go of? I need to let go of the of being embarrassed when I hit a bad shot. You know, for a lot of people, they react 
they, re they react. And it's because they make it very easy to feel bad and difficult to feel good on the golf course. I'll say that again. They make yeah. it very easy to feel bad and difficult mm -hmm. to feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I ask somebody, um, if I ask somebody, um, you know, what is embarrassment to you on the golf course? Yeah. And um, let's say hitting a, hitting a bad shot in front of a, a peer. Yeah. And this is, I've had this from tour professionals. Yeah. Um, now, what are the chances that they're going to hit a bad shot? Even a tour player. Even a tour player. Oh, they're, they're going to hit bad shots, definitely. They're going to hit bad shots. Right. Okay. So, if you are going to hit a bad shot and your, your rule, yeah, let's say there's, a, there's, this, there's this rule that if I hit a bad shot in front of my fellow professional or my playing partners on a Sunday morning, yeah, and by the way, for many people, this is unconscious. It's not something that, it's not something that, you know, they've sat down and gone, this is my rule. And, and, and by the way, I, this is a deep exercise and it took me, it took me a while to condense it to be able to either one, have this in a conversation, but two, to do it in a way, especially with golfers, that they could just take it away. But the value in it is, is immense. So we're, we're using embarrassment. There's a lot of other, um, there's a lot of other um, negative emotions that trigger golfers, especially. But the embarrassment one is, so if I get embarrassed, if my rule is I get embarrassed by hitting a shot in front of a playing partner, and it could be a type of shot, then what's happening, that rule makes it very easy for me to feel embarrassed because there's a very high chance I'm going to hit a bad shot in front of a playing partner. You know, I often say, well, if you don't want to hit a bad shot in front of a playing partner, you better start going playing golf on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or the flip side is this is what happens. Metaphorically, embarrassment is hiding behind the door, just watching. And it's just waiting for you to hit that shot. And it's just going to come out. It's almost like it's hiding behind the door, just waiting. It's like, oh, there's, there's one coming up here. And that's where people just get um, really uptight. So here's how you change that. Um, you've got to make it difficult to feel embarrassed. I'll say that again. You've got to make it really difficult to feel embarrassed. So you change the rule, yeah? I only get embarrassed um, only if I, there's the key phrase, only if I, yeah? I cannot get embarrassed on a golf course. I cannot. Made it imp almost impossible for me to be embarrassed because my rule, my rule would be, I'm, I'm embarrassed only if I was to run down the fairway naked. Yeah. You could even flip it around to, sorry, you could even flip it around to, I can only be embarrassed 
if I get angry, you yeah. know, maybe even using the thing nope. that happens. No, nope. nope. because, because anger, there'll be a rule for anger. Oh, okay. So I thought, same, I thought the same thing as him. And, and it, it's an interesting one because because somebody will have an unconscious rule for anger. I get angry because I get angry when it's not going my way. I get angry when somebody's slow playing. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, there'll, so there'll be an un. So you've got to. So you've got to change the rule. Um, you got to change the rule. You literally rewrite it and get. Um, I only get angry only if I dot 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 only if I yeah yeah and the flip side to make it good I've given you the drive-through version here but um to make it easier to feel good let me give you a I'll give you an, an example um success comes up a lot for um you know for for golfers at any level um, happy comes up for, for people in life. Um, I remember, I remember once working with a, a premiership footballer, and um, he said, you know, about success. And I said, what? I said, what? What success for you? And he said, hundred uh, k a year, playing for a play. Sorry, hundred k a week. That's quite low for a hundred k <laughs> yeah. a week. Um, playing for a top four club, being number one in my position, and there was something else, all right? And I said, okay. Um, so that was his unconscious rule, yeah? That's what he's just told me that. I said, um, uh, are you number one in your position, as in, in, the, in the national team? No. Do you earn 100, uh, 100K a week? No. Um, and are you at a top four club, Champions League? No. Okay. So is there any wonder why you don't feel successful right now? Because his rules for success. Now, I'm not saying you lower your expectations, but his rules for success were stopping him from feeling successful. Now, if we're talking about golf, we want to... We want to feel good, don't we, first before we perform. Um, and so we had to change the rules. And how do you change that rule? You change it by saying any time I. So make, if, if you've got a pen or a piece of paper or you come back to this, you say any time I. Feel successful, any time I. Feel happy, any time I. And you've got to be in control of that. Like for me, I feel happy any time I think of my kids. I'm in control of that. Nobody else is in control of that, yeah? I feel successful anytime I've contributed to somebody's game, yeah? Anytime, not only when this happens, only when I win a major. So I, I, I think, you know, we, we've gone on that point because if somebody wants to very quickly make a change to their mental game, um, my rule for enjoying my golf, again, back to the amateur, um, my rule for enjoying my golf is very simple. Number one, I've got a wedge in my hand. And number two, I'm with people. Now, so nothing to do with scores. Am I competitive? Yes. Do I want to win? Yes. It's not my rule 
for enjoying my golf. My rule for enjoying my golf is I've got a wedge in my hand and I'm with people. Now, I play off 10. I'm going to have a wedge in my hand about 14 times. So I'm like, I'm like a pig in mud. <laughs> I'm like a pig in mud. So because I've, I've made it easy, very easy to enjoy my golf. I think that's, um, do you know, it's funny as we're going through this, James, I'm thinking about not only my golf, but also my life and what subconscious rules for, for things that I might have, have, have placed upon myself <laughs> that are stopping me feeling a certain way. But I've never, I've never thought of it. I've never thought of it like this in terms of, and I just think about the golfers listening to this. How many golfers on the golf course? And this is the question to, to you, the listener. How easy is it for you to feel bad compared to good? And I would say that most golfers, it's just so easy to feel bad on the golf course. And we, and we, we all make it so easy to feel bad. And I mean, for, from our side of things, we want golfers to experience fun, enjoyment. But it's so hard for them to do because they're placing these rules on themselves. And I thought about something earlier before as you were going through it. And one of the things that really stuck with me that really helped me from my golf, but also for, for coaching was, and this was from 2007, I think it was. And I think you asked that question, what does every golfer know before they go out there? And it was, it was well, every golfer knows they're going to hit bad shots. And my rules for, 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 for let's say, a successful game of golf I was going out previously going, I hope I'm not going to hit, going to hit any bad shots today. Or um, I, I want to have that perfect round of golf. And, and then when a bad shot would come, it would, be, it would like destroy me because I'm thinking, well, it shouldn't, I shouldn't be hitting a bad shot. Whereas now I go out there and often have the conversation with others and go, I know I'm going to hit quite a few bad shots today. But I also know that I'm going to hit quite a few good shots. So when the good, when the bad shots happen, I'm not embarrassed because I, I've told myself that they're already going to happen and I know they're going to happen. And I think for the, for the listeners to this, how many of the listeners are actually acknowledging the fact that they're going to play some bad golf today. And there might be 18 handicap, 12 handicap, 25 handicap. How many are going out there hoping to not hit bad shots compared to acknowledging that they're going to hit bad shots? Wait, wait, could be of five could be of three could be of two could be of one and there's this misnomer that you know the lower you get the lower you get the more you enjoy you're gonna enjoy <laughs> the game well actually no it doesn't work like that the lower you get the more frustrated they get yeah <laughs> and so and and again we're back to this brutally honest conversation about what do you want that's the, honestly, you give somebody some time to, to actually sit with that. What do you want from your golf? Because what they say they want or what they think they want and what they actually then say that they want are two very different, two di very different things. And it's actually, um, you know, uh, I want to be a great ball striker. Yeah. Well, is that what you want? Is that why you're playing the game? Because you want to be a, 
a better, a, a great ball striker, or um, you're trying to get the ball in the hole as as few times as possible. And then it's well, where do we need to focus your attention? Into one, based on where you are today, and two, based on how I keep coming back to it, how much time do you have to apply to that goal? And and if we're talking about the MVP, the minimal viable practice, then I'm gonna say go and become mustard with your wedges, because your wedges are the, the panacea. They're the mental antidote to everything. Now, if you can't get to the range and you can't go and hit balls, but you're mustard with your wedges and you've got that on a string with, in, and I'm talking about in the context of you can have it on a string anyway. Um, and I, I'd say that the, the, the question for, you know, you said about playing lessons, my question for the amateur golfer is, when was the last time you had a wedge lesson? I, 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 want, I want your listeners, I want your listeners to text that in or email that in to you. When was the last time you had a wedge lesson? Then the second thing, I also want you to ask, when was the last time you had a wedge lesson or a lesson when when shit was going really well mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 this is this is and this brings me a little bit to a question on this as well and, and a point that i i often think about and think about it a little bit now work we obviously with aaron rye on the pga tour and obviously he's developing really well as a player but maybe this is for someone who's got a little bit more time in their game how what's your views on how hard you should practice on your weaknesses, but also how hard you should practice on your strengths. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to be an elite performer today, right? Um, it, I think this is the million dollar question of, um, you have to be you have to be very good at in in a lot of departments today yeah and if you're if you're saying you want to compete with those those guys at the top of leaderboards or the top of the game you know and the guys who are wanting to get on tour and you're saying you want to be up there you you can't have weaknesses mm -hmm. because your strengths in many ways if you're if you're aspiring to be there, your strengths are going to be their weaknesses. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I, I, what I would really like you to do, and I'd like others to do, is to change the. Um, it, it's not the weak. It's not the word weakness, and I want you to have this as a context outside again outside of golf. Um, if if you say, Jamie, you've got to work on your weakness, all right, then what I do is then I focus on this one, I focus on making my weakness better, but then at the detriment of 
what actually I'm very good at. Mm. Now, this happens a lot in, in life. Um, it happens a lot in the business, in the business world. If you go into the corporate world, people are told, oh, this, you know, that's a weakness and you need to work on that. Um, so I'd rather you called it an area of development and, and take away this phrase behind every weakness there is um, or area of development there is a there is a strength behind every weakness there is a strength um, so if somebody is shy there is a strength behind that yeah but if you say to them oh you've got to work on you've got to work on not being shy then they they kind of try and magnify it and they actually forget the very thing that the strengths of being shy are, you know, they observe more, they're a bit more patient, yeah? But if, I, if you say to somebody who's shy, well, you've got to work on, on not being shy, then they have this false kind of, okay, I've got to be the life and soul of the party, yeah? I love the, I love the reframing as well of that, Jamie, just for a, for a couple of reasons, the way I think about it. <clears throat> I've done this in areas of my life in terms of um, just changing how you think about things. And when you think, when you call it a weakness, it could maybe be taken on as a, as part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, this is, this is me. This is just like who I am as opposed to flipping it into an area of development. And I think about, I always think about this in terms of working on your weaknesses. And a lot of people say, Oh, you shouldn't work on your weaknesses. Just focus on your strengths. Well, Years ago, when we started doing stuff to camera, to video camera, I was crap. <laughs> like it was, it was a, it was a real. Who says you got better? <laughs> <laughs> it was a real weakness. Let's say a weakness, quote unquote. But if I'd have just hidden away from that, now I feel it's a strength. I feel there's a strength behind that. But if I've shied away from that, and I suppose this is the same with short game or wedgeology, um, however you want to sort of. If you if you move into that area of development, there's a strength there to be to be had by it instead of looking at it as this is a weakness of me. Yep. It's like attaching, oh, he's a bad putter. Or no, he yep. hasn't developed that area of his game, has he? And yep. I think it's a good separation and a reframing. I, I, I love that reframing. I'm gonna use that. Because if and, and again, you know, it appears it yes, you know, people, players should work on their weaknesses we know that the the question and it's back to the, the honest conversation do they that's it we know they should mm. we know they should it's do they actually do that and then it, this is not a this is not a golf question this is not a can i do this it's what's the reason why I'm doing this? What's the reason why I want to be better? If yeah. I'm brutally honest, and that's the that's why with you know, and I'll say with wedgeology, it's like it's it's not a it's not a drill or a task, you know, or you know, can you hit this box? Can you hit box one, box two, box three, box four, box five? You know, that's a drill. You know what happens with drills, don't you? Yeah, they do them for a, a little while, then they stop doing them. 
Yeah, because it's something that you do. What we're interested in is it who you're going to become. That actually, I, I become somebody who we, we've got to we've got to shift the thinking. Yeah. About what this means, and that's part that's part of that development. It's the shifting of the thinking before the task. We can give you the tasks. You can do, you know, the game is full of tasks and drills. You, you know, you've got a bunch of them. I, you know, it's, I think the, the shift, the real shift, guys, comes when, um, when, when, and I say people, because, you know, like, they're people at the end of the day. It's, you know, it's not just players. It's, it's when people, who am I becoming? And you use the game as that vehicle of who you are becoming. So here's the thing. What we said before we even press record about you guys, you know, on your journey. Well, guess what? You can have a journey with your short game. You're going to get to a point and then it's going to see. It's, it's, it's kind of probably back. You're going to get to a point and get, you can get to a point and guess what? The game is going to ask you another question just like life asked you to another question mm. and the question is then you develop your skills your skills get better but the game gets better and then the actual game asks you a different question and in order when it asks you another question so this goes to a different level then all of a sudden you go i've got to improve my skills and when my skills improve then my game gets better and then the game of golf will ask you another question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's this constant movement like that. Now, for most people, they get stuck, they get frustrated because they find themselves in situations where, you know, skills have got better, you know, games got better. The game then asks them the question. And that's the challenge, because at that point, they're not, they're like, no, it's not meant to be like this. No, and, and let me give your, your, you listeners an example. You get some good technique, you work on your game, you're hitting the ball straighter, flushing it, it's going longer. You're finding yourself in a part of the golf course that you were not in before. Yeah. Now you have to deal with that. That is new. That is strange. Oh my God. Now I've got now I've got I've got 70 yards in instead of 110 yards in. Watched, watched it. Right, 70 yards in. I keep hitting it over the back. I keep hitting it left. I keep hitting it short. That's because you you've you've not got you've not you're not mustered from 70 yards. So the game's asking you something very different. So now there's frustration instead of, okay, let me, who do I need to be now? I need to be somebody who's really going to invest in this part of my game now. Yeah, I've, I've got this technique bit down. I'm hitting it. It's, it's just this constant, yeah, it's this constant of this constant growth like that. 
that just accept that is part of the journey. Got, I've got one more question, Jamie, because I know I want to be respectful of your, of your time here. Um, and, and I suppose it's still on the wedgeology thing because I think the wedges are such a pain point for a lot of people. The, how, do, how do the listeners to this, they, they, they're going to practice, um, they're going to go out there and work at their wedges. How do they make sure that their wedge game can transfer over to the golf course when it matters? So when they're, you know, they, they can do it in, in, in practice. How do they bridge the gap? How, what can they do within their wedge practice that's going to help them um, bring the, the real situation of competitive play closer, basically? Um, stop scraping. Hmm. Okay, stop scraping. That's the first thing. Um, hit the ball, scrape. Hit the ball, scrape. Hit the ball, scrape. Um, you don't scrape on the golf course. You don't hit the ball, and then you can't scrape another one. So you got to. That's got. Hopefully, to be, you don't anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's going to be a real. Um, so you know, you're better hitting five shots in in game mode. Than, Fish shot routine, making sure we're involved in that. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, five, five balls, game mode, get out of there. Yeah. And, and you, it, the first thing is you've got to know, you've got to have, you know, just like if you, you go to work and you go into a meeting, you have an agenda. So what's the agenda today? What is the agenda? Am I, am I working on my technique? Am I working on skill? Um, am I working on technique, skill? Or am I making it game-like? That's it. That's my agenda, and it's got to be one of it's got to be one of those. But for most, they probably not put the game-like in there. Okay, so so um, I I think that that would be that would be one. Um, you've heard this before. You've got to make practice more difficult than the real game. You've got to make it more difficult than the real game. A lot of players do not like that, um, and and you know I, I would say if anything, um, and again this is the time aspect. You know, so if you're working on your ten foot puts on the carpet, you're working on ten foot put aiming to um, you know a plastic bottle. You know this. You know. A plastic bottle this thin um you know or um i use my nespresso coffee pods no <laughs> seriously like mm -hmm. that's that's my target on the on the floor i'm making it more difficult you've you've all heard it from putting make the hole smaller so where you can again mvp where you can um it's going to shorten the learning the 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 learning and the um the, the reality so when you get on the golf course you're comfortable with the tough situations brilliant yeah yeah i think it's it. it's just a, it's just a key area isn't it that i know a lot of the listeners with this will be in the habit of doing um it's just having you just break it like you say having an agenda technique skill or game like how can we have that agenda going to the practice area ready for that and i'm gonna say this this is nothing your people do not know. Mm. Yep. It isn't. You guys have said this. A whole bunch of coaches have said this. 
It's nothing they don't know. It's, it's the application. Does, does the reason why match up with what you're actually doing? Yeah. And for most, the alignment is it's all over the place. It's back to the consistency. They want consistency. Do they have time to be consistent? Or are they prepared to actually, again, go and have the wedge lesson? Or in many, I think a great one for you is go and have the playing lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then really reveal. Go and have two playing lessons. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's nothing that they've not, not heard before. Yeah. But you can either, here's the thing. We can either have chats or we can have the honest conversation. And yeah. if you want to improve and things go to a different level, you golfers, you got to have the very honest conversations with yourself. Yeah. And, and if, here's the other side, very quickly. Um, don't beat yourself up. Go and play the game. Go and play the game. You're going to hit some shots. If Tiger's going to hit bad shots and Rory and all those guys are going to hit bad shots, then guess what? Me and you are going to hit bad shots. So I want to, I want to challenge your community. I want to challenge them to how much can they go out and let go of outcomes? Yeah. That's, the, that's it. Go out and let go of the outcome. And, and you're not going to be able to do it all, the whole 18 holes, but, but you're going to get real good, real good at, oh my God, like, I don't care where this goes. <laughs> and when you can get to that point, I don't care where this goes. And, and, by the, and again, you're going, to, you're going to, again, area of development, it might be this, it might be this, it might be... But when you, when you can develop that being of, I'm just going to swing like I do not give, <laughs> then your golf will go to another level. People get glimpses of it. They get a glimpse of that one or two times around. But I'm talking about, like, be on the edge. Love it. I've got one one thing highlighted, and this is I think this is what I'm going to take from this for myself, really. And that is, I think the rules for enjoying the game. I'm going to create a rules. I think I'm a lot better, but I think the one thing that I'm going to say, there's a lot from this that we sort of made notes on here. But the one thing for me personally is that I'm going to create rules for enjoying my game. I just think that stood out for me today what you've talked about as well, Jamie, is how easy it is to feel bad. And how hard how hard we make it to feel good on the golf course, and if yeah. we can make ourselves feel good and enjoy this game a lot more, the game is going to be better as well. And I think for me, that's that's one thing that I personally am going to take from this podcast. And I'd love the the, the listeners to this to even think about that for themselves as well. And it is, isn't it? You're exactly right there because if you're asking someone whose rule for enjoyment is not duffing chip shots, then you're going to ask them to go and practice their chip shots, and then they start duffing their chip shots. It, it's just a, it's a never-ending cycle, then, isn't it? And they're never going to really get anywhere because somewhere you're going to duff chip shots. Absolutely. You're making it easy to feel bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Guys, say, no, great you're making it potential. only possible. You're only making it, you're making it only possible to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. I mean, again, you know, as Andy said at the beginning, everything he said, I echo as well. You know, you've been very important for what where we are today in life, in business, in golf. And, um, you know, I suppose... We're going anyway, to make this a weekly show. I think we should, really. Show. I mean, I think... Imagine how, how good people will feel. Listen, listen, listen. Um, I've got to have a hard finish because I've got to... Um, I've, I've got to go and I've got to jump on a on a conference call. But we, we can... I want to I want to wrap up let let's wrap up um let's find a time when we can yeah I'm sure you know uh, like I said you know um there's some great things that we can we can talk about and I'll send you some stuff you can have a look at wedgeology and see you know see what what you think go and you know go and have a play with it yourselves and uh yeah, yeah but I, if I was coaching mental skills again literally I would start with wedgeology there you go. Really Thank you. No, where can no. the guys where can the guys find you, Jamie? We, we can put the link the links in the in the show notes anyway. Yep, can um can get me uh, Jamie Edwards eleven um, on social media, and you can find me at Train Brain. Uh, should I put my email address on there? Uh, we can put the website. Whatever's best for you. Yeah. Um, train trained-brain.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, Jamie, appreciate your time. I know you've got to go and uh, good luck with the conference and everything. I hope that goes well. And yeah, it's, all, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And um, yeah, it's just, just a reminder of why we enjoyed that week so much with you as well. And it's uh, yeah, something that we just love. So thank all you. Right. Uh, thank you again. Take care, guys. Talk Thanks, to you soon. Jamie. Cheers, Jamie. Bye-bye.